Finding good friends begins with defining the word friends. What does the word friend mean to you? I mean, we have Facebook friends and we have our most intimate relationships. And between those two points on the friendship map are many categories within the friendship nomenclature. And so identifying your best friends and carefully assessing those you don't want into your inner circle, well, that is vital for obvious reasons. And so in this podcast, I am going to examine the ins and out of building great friendships and how to create distance, appropriate distance from those who are not quite ready for a higher level of transparency Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the Life Over Coffee podcast. By the way, I'm videoing this podcast, and so if you want to watch it, you can watch it right inside of this episode. By the way, this is episode 399, and so you can go to our show notes on our website, 399, and look for this podcast episode titled, How to Identify and Benefit from Genuine Friendships. So you can video, or you can watch, or you can listen. All right, so let's get into this all-important topic of how to build friendships. As I alluded to in my introduction, that the first thing that you want to do is that you want to define friendships. Some people just squish friendships down into one word, one size fits all, but that is not really the way that you want to go about it because there are many types of friendships that you will have in your life. Uh, For example, you have Facebook friends, and I would see Facebook friends almost as far out as you could possibly be. The thing about Facebook friends is that at best, you're only seeing half of their relationship, and so it is literally impossible to know them. You see their front-facing side. You see their their selfies, but you're not in their homes, in their families, in their communities, and so you can't really know your Facebook friends, and so they would be farther out as far as a community that you would want to build with. In fact, you couldn't really build with faith or, or social media. Let me broaden that out with social media friends because you honestly, you do not know them. And so that's on one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you'll have your most intimate relationships, those people that you can be honest and transparent with, that you can share the good things that are going on in your life and the horrible things that are going on in your life and everything in between. Now, within those two polar opposites are all all other, all sorts of types of friends. And so you want to make sure that if you don't have an expanded definition of friends, then it would be critical for you to think about it. And so that's point number one in this episode about identifying, isolating, and building genuine relationships. And then the second thing that you want to do is build concentric circles. It's like a a friendship map of concentric circles. And so as you identify these friends, you want to place them different pinpoints on the map. 
Some of those people are going to be closer to you because they're like what I was talking about earlier. They're intimate, they're transparent, they're honest, and they're very good and helpful friends, and uh, there's no junk going on between you. And if there is, uh, you reconcile it quickly, and that is really an awesome relationship. But then there will be other people that will be farther out from that epicenter. Now, obviously, the epicenter of all friendships is between you and the Lord. That is the most intimate that you can ever be with anyone because God knows our thoughts from afar. He knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. He knows all things about us, and He loves us and forgives us, and we will never be... uh, we will never be taken from his hand. And so we have a wonderful relationship with the Lord and nothing could ever top or transcend that. But right outside of that microscopic epicenter are these intimate friends that I was talking about. And so you want to identify who these people are. Now, throughout this podcast, I'm going to give you some definitions. I want to give you some criteria, ways to think about friends. So it will help you to think about your friends and where to put them on your, what I'm calling here, a friendship map. Maybe one of the ways that you can think about this is point number three. Three, and that is the life of Christ. Notice how Jesus interacted differently with different people. Jesus did not interact with everyone the same way. It seems to be, from what we read in the Gospels, that his primary relationships were with Peter, James, and John, outside of the microscopic epicenter, which was his relationship with his father. But outside of that, we have Peter, James, and John. As far as the way that he talked to them and the amount of communication he had with them, And then outside of that, the next circle would be the other nine disciples. And then outside of that circle, the next group would be Mary and and Martha and uh, Nicodemus eventually and a number of others that he interacted with on a friendship level, but yet not in his most intimate circle. And then outside of that, uh, there were the multitudes, people that he loved, people he cared for. But again, it's also impossible, and you have to think about this realistically, that you can't bring everybody in and squeeze them into your most intimate friend group. And so that's not possible. I may have 5,000 friends on Facebook, for example, but they're not intimate friends. They are farther out. They're acquaintances. They're people that I know, but I don't know them like other people know them because other people have better relationships with them. And then outside of the multitudes with Christ, you had the Pharisees, the unregenerate. You had uh, people that uh, did not love him, did not care for him. They rejected him. And of course, you do not want to have them on your inner circle either. And so this is one of the ways that you can think about this friendship concentric circle map that I have been describing to you. Number four is something that you'll have to become comfortable with, is that it is okay to judge. It's okay to judge people. 
Now, let me give you a synonym for judgment so that you don't cancel me right off the bat here. But a word that I'm using for judgment is the word assessing. It is okay to assess people, to to analyze, to critique in a most charitable way. You want to do that because if you don't, you'll be naive. If you don't assess people or judge people, uh, you'll be taken advantage of. Harmful things can happen to you, and so you don't want to be naive in how you think about people, but you want to be charitable, and you want to do that with insight, discernment, and wisdom. And of course, you may be wrong in your assessment, and I've been that way many times. You you probably have, too, where you assumed something about an individual. You had already made that assessment, but then you learned later uh, that, hey, they're, they're not that. And how about this? Uh, you, you place them maybe farther out because you made an assessment about them, and then you realize that you were wrong, and then they began to come in closer to your most intimate network. That's a fantastic thing, but you must make assessments of people. You have to have a wisdom filter that filters each person so that you can have at least your best understanding of what that person is like. That's number four. It's okay to assess. And then number five, remember that friendships are static. And so when you put your pinpoint on the map that this person, this is who they are, and it's not how they always going to be. The doctrine of progressive sanctification, for example, it informs us that people change. The doctrine of regeneration also informs us that people change. And so this map is static. And so recognize that some friends will change. Some of them will mature. And so it would be horrible for me, for example, if people always thought of me as who I was 25 years ago or 50 years ago. Thank God for his grace that we have the opportunity to mature. And some of your friends on your map, they will mature as well. Uh, And then others will stagnate. They just never change. They are who they are and they haven't changed in it appears that they haven't changed in, in 30 years. And then others will turn for the worse. And perhaps you have had that situation where you had friends that appeared and maybe they were authentic, that they loved God, but now they are walking away from the Lord. The point is, number five, is that friendships are static, that we don't freeze people at a certain place as far as how we think about them as friends, and so there will always be movement. Now, the big idea is is that you want people to always be moving toward you. We want to create an environment of grace, for example, that has a gravitational pull where people are drawn into us. We don't want to be that person that just puts off bitterness and negativity. You remember what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 12 about bitterness is that it defiles. And so we don't want to be a defiling person that 
pushes people away. And so there should be a compelling interest in people surrounding us because they see something in us which we which we did not create. It is God's gift and his grace working through us. Christ had that compelling power. He had gravitational pull where people wanted to be around him. And so that's why you want to be wise, by the way, as you discern people, but we must have that gravitational pull. And so point number five is that friendships aren't static. There's always movement on the map. Number six, giving and receiving. And this is something that's important. And I'm thinking about devoting an entire podcast to this because it's just that important. And that is this. Most of your friends, wherever they are on the map, they will require much of your time, time-wise, but also quality-wise. They are going to want your time. And so you will be pouring out. Now, the reason that you're going to be pouring out, there are two primary reasons that you're going to be pouring out to people who will not be reciprocating to you. One is, is that it's, well, it's right. It is our call from God to love others and love him more than anything else or more than any other or or love God and love others more than yourself. That is our call from God. And so God puts the point of emphasis on loving him and loving others most. We have an other-centered way about us, and that is critical. Now, because of that, we're always going to be investigating and exploring and see who God has brought into our sphere so that we could love them and influence them, evangelize them, disciple them, answer their questions. That is always going on. And so one of the reasons that you will always be giving more than you are receiving is because it's a call from God. The other reason is kind of common sense. If you go back to my concentric circles, there is a very small circle in the middle, and it's going to be you with Peter, James, and John, or whoever your one, two, or three friends are. Well, every other circle is people that you're going to be pouring out to, and there's more circles and more people on those places on the map. And so it's just common sense that you're going to pour out to other people more than you receive. Now, as you can imagine, uh, as why I said that I'm thinking about devoting an entire podcast to this, because this is something that we really have to wrangle through because some people become just burned out because of the weightiness of what's going on in their relationships. And they feel that they have poor themselves out so much and they're just tired they're ready to quit and so many other things can happen because of the complexity of these relationships and the amount of time that you invest in them and also the accompanying disappointment that comes with them and so it's very important that we think through how to do this well so that we're not overcome I mean we have I don't know how many people every year, more than 100,000 people that are coming to us. 
Uh, they're coming to us for help. That could be overwhelming. And they're coming from great distances on the map, people who hardly know us, some people who know us, those who know us well, those who have been around for a while, our mastermind students. I mean, it's different demographics, but all of them are asking one thing. How can I? Will you? It's something about, will you do something for me? And that is the nature of what it means to be a Christian in God's world because we want to be helping others. However, we have to do it strategically. We have to do it with wisdom or we will be overcome. But it's important to know that when you're creating friendships that you'll always be giving more than you are receiving. And then point number seven, by the way, these seven points are under the heading of primary ideas. I'm going to flow right into some practical ideas in just a moment, but I wanted to touch on these primary ideas. And point number seven is it takes courage to clarify. And what I mean by that is that you have to manage your friendships or they will manage you. And sometimes that means that you will have to say no to some people. Sometimes you'll have to do some hard things. And if you're given to the fear of man, if you are struggling with insecurities, or if you have been shackled with a lot of shame and guilt that you still yet have not worked through, you could be a setup to be manipulated or gaslit or managed or taken advantage of. And so it's important to know that one of the things that you have have to have in order to have wonderful friends in this inner network is that you have to have courage. And if you're struggling that way, and if we could help you because you're being overwhelmed with people who are who are flooding the gates, who are jumping the walls, and they're getting into your space, and you've created, you allowed, because of these life-dominating sin issues, for these things to happen, well, then you need to work on that. And if we could help you, we really would like to, because uh, that is a quick way to be overwhelmed with friends. This is episode 399, How to Identify and Benefit from genuine relationships. I have just gone through seven primary uh, ideas regarding this. And again, you can look at the show notes. Uh, Those of you who are watching the video right now, thank you very much. You can listen to the podcast. And if you want, the podcast listeners can watch the video. Now what I want to uh, get into here are five practical tips, five things for you to think about as you think about your friends. Now, number one is to pray. But what I mean by that is is to pray a specific prayer. Ask and you will receive. For some people will say, well, I don't even have one intimate friend. And I understand that. I, I, I actually understand that very well because I have been in that boat. And so if you don't have that one person in your most intimate circle, well, then pray and ask God to bring you that person. If you are praying and you are looking and you are anticipating that God will answer this, and he will, 
that God will answer this prayer, then you be on the lookout, then you participate with the Lord. So as you are praying, you're not going to sit on the couch and watch television. Uh, he's not going. To, the person's not going to show up at the door and say, hey, the Lord sent me to be your most intimate friend. No, there's work on your part, but prayer is essential that you just beg God that just bring one person in my life. By the way, this conversation that we're having is something that we have uh, talked about around the dinner table in our, in our home. And one of the things that I told our children is that if you die with, with five of these, five of these wonderful friendships, uh, you're going to die as a, a wealthy person. Now, one of the reasons the number is going to be small is because, well, you just can't have so many friends. That in itself would be time-consuming. But to have one, two, three, four, five would really be good. Uh, that is a, a wonderful buffer. That is a great companion list. Uh, th that will help you from what I was talking about earlier by being overwhelmed. You can retreat into uh, this center here and be encouraged with friends who will be willing to reciprocate with you. And so under practical tips number one, the first thing that you want to do is pray and pro probably should have made this tip, pray and participate, because you must pray, and then you must actively engage your community expecting God to answer that prayer. Now, I want to tease that out just a little bit. Point number two, be a friend. Be a friend. And as I said earlier, do not, do not think that they will come through your passivity, and so you don't want to be that person that comes to the church meeting and just sits down, arms folded, looking over the glasses and then leaving and say this church is not friendly. In fact, we shouldn't say that a church is not friendly because I would say 99.999% of the time that's not true. The church is friendly. The people are friendly. Uh, they might not be friendly to you. They might not have talked to you. They might not be engaging for, for whatever reason. But one of the reasons that I find that people are not what people call friendly is, is that we do tend to have tunnel vision. Vision. Uh, we tend to uh, create our friend list, and they call them clicks. I don't like that word, but nevertheless, uh, we create these our own little uh, insular groups, and it appears that the church is not friendly. It's not that the church is not friendly. The church is friendly, but they don't have a worldview on a fuller worldview on the gospel, which means going. You want to be a friend, and so if you're in a church that's not friendly, just bust up one of those clicks. Just go and introduce yourself to somebody. This is something that we like to do. We love meeting strangers. We love meeting people that we have not met before. Our church is friendly because we're friendly. But then you could probably talk to 100 people or maybe 300 people. We have a large church. Maybe 300 people that would say our church is not friendly. But I would question that, and I would not take that on its face. I would begin to investigate and explore. That's like the wife who says, my husband 
husband doesn't communicate. My church is not friendly. My husband doesn't communicate. Both of those things more than likely are wrong. First of all, the husband can talk. He just doesn't talk to you. First, second of all, these people are friendly. They're just not friendly to you. And so you don't want to take the passive perspective where you just sit back and complain about an unfriendly church. Make it friendly by making friends. And so point number two, be a friend. Number three, remember that everyone is an image bearer but everyone is not intimate with you. Now, this is important. It doesn't matter where they are on the map. If they're your most intimate friends or if they are the unregenerate Pharisees, they're image bearers. Therefore, we're going to respect every person. We're going to respect every Republican, every Democrat. We're going to respect both genders. We're going to respect every age. We're going to respect every color. We're going to respect them. Uh, because they are made in God's image. And this is what James was teaching us in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Now, what I'm not saying, respect does not equate to it means that you do not ever critique or correct or confront. Wives should respect their husbands, and husbands should respect their wives. You, We have to respect each other. But it would be horrible if a, a wife and a husband did not critique or correct or confront, but imagine how different that critiquing and correcting and confronting would be if we disrespected them. If you disrespect your husband, you're not going to do either one of those three things well. If you disrespect your wife, you're not going to do either one of those things well. If you disrespect anybody else, you're not going to critique, correct, or confront well. And so we can do those things respectfully. So as you think about your friends, you always want to remember that they are made in the image of God. And so under practical tips, pray and participate. Number two, be a friend. Number three, everyone is an image bearer. And then number four, if someone tries to manipulate you or manage you without pouring into your life, they are telling you they are not your most intimate friend. People will define the kind of relationship that they are going to have with you. The way that they treat you, the way they talk to you, the way they talk about you when you are not around. Uh, when it comes back around where you realize that they have been gossiping about you, then you're going to realize, oh, you have just defined our relationship and I cannot trust you. You're not going to be in my, my intimate circle. We had a couple over from a church that we were attending a, a number of years ago and the husband and wife and the husband and I, we were really going to town and having some true biblical fellowship and talking about God and what he was doing in our lives. And we were new to the church. And then the wife uh, began to go down a tick sheet of, as she described all the things that were wrong with different people in the church. Well, she defined the relationship that we were going to have with her, and I would never bring her into my intimate circle, not at that point. Now, perhaps she has changed. I don't know. But at that point, no, I would not trust her with my most intimate information. And then number five, kind of rolling into that, don't share your most authentic self with a non-reciprocating friend. 
had a brief conversation with one of our mastermind students today, and they they heard the word reciprocating friend. I talked about it, and and they said, ah, that is a great way to talk to talk about this idea of friendships, a reciprocating friend. Now, what that means is is that it's a person that you pour into, and they pour into you. Now, that's who you want in your center circle because you are filling each other up. You are encouraging each other in the Lord. You're helping each other go down the path. These are people that you're not just pouring into and there's nothing coming back. That's why this intimate group is so important. And so you want to share your most authentic self with reciprocating friends. You don't want to share your most authentic self with non-reciprocating friends. And so one of the ways that you can, oh, I said there were five points here, but actually uh, there are six because I do want to talk about the aspects of a reciprocating friend. What are you looking for? Because that is important. What you're looking for is you're looking for four things essentially. Now you can add to this list. You're looking for character. You're looking for competence. You're looking for courage and compassion. Those are four essential things. And so character is the foundation upon what this friend stands on. And then competence is a person who really has the ability to speak into your life according to where you are. They may be, they may have more wisdom and more competence to you, uh, but they have at least comparable competence to you to where you can truly reciprocate with each other. And then you need a person with courage because they won't rubber stamp you. They're not afraid to critique, confront, correct, and that is important. And then of course compassion because courage and compassion work in a binary way. Courage without compassion would be harsh. Compassion without courage could go into mercy run amok where they don't have the backbone to speak in your life when you need it. Okay, so this is episode 399. It's how to identify and benefit from genuine relationships. Let me finish here with a couple of questions. Who are those people in your life who are reciprocal friends? Name them. Who are they? Do you have them? Number two, will you always be praying and actively seeking those kinds of friends? And then finally, number three, will you always be trying to make people better friends or make your best friends? Pour into their life. Make them better friends. Maybe even make them your best friends friends. You're listening to episode 399. And if you have any questions you need to talk to us, please reach out. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.